0: RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at AmazingJane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Welcome to the second episode in our London Marathon Milestone series dedicated to food and nutrition to support you as you train and prepare for the London Marathon on the 2nd of October 2022. Today we're going to discuss the importance of consistency in having a healthy eating plan and we're also introducing the concept of runga, that feeling of incontrollable hunger that runners may experience and we'll be talking about how you may manage hunger becoming an issue. Welcome to our Marathon Milestone series dedicated to supporting everyone training for the 2022 London Marathon with food and nutrition tips A series of five episodes is for both first-time marathon runners as well as seasoned marathon veterans. So whether this is your first marathon or your 10th, we aim to support you in being marathon ready over the next 16 weeks with strategically timed nutrition tips and advice at every stage of your training plan. We really want you to be fit and fueled for race day. Karen and I will share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. In each episode, we will build on the previous episodes so by the time it gets to the event day, you'll feel race ready. And although we're tracking this landmark event, we're sure that you'll find the information interesting and helpful for whichever autumn marathon you're training for this year. So please share this episode with your running friends so that they can benefit from all the nutritional insights given in this milestone series. Really hope that you find your advice helpful and we'd love to know how you're progressing during your training. So reach out to us at hello at runnershealthhub.com and let us know how you're getting on. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalized sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact us at Runners Health Hub. Welcome back. I'm Aileen, and I'm here again with Karen. So here we are with the second episode in our London Marathon Milestone series, which is a series of five episodes dedicated to food and nutrition to support you as you train and prepare for the London Marathon on the 2nd of October. Um, and remember, we also have a sister series consisting of five episodes to support those of you training for the Great North Run, which has taken place on the 11th of September. And although we're tracking the London Marathon, uh, we hope that you'll find this information of interest for whatever autumn marathon you're training for. And there's certainly plenty of them around. Um, so there's a the Chester or Loch Ness Marathon, both of which are being held on the same day as the London marathon. Um, and uh, that's on the, um, the 2nd of October. And if you're traveling a bit further afield, there's the Berlin Marathon on the 25th of September. And I believe there's one in Lisbon on the 9th of October. So there's plenty of races. And so we're hoping that um, our milestone series will, will help you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They're all back in the calendar again, aren't they, Aileen, now that they can be. So it's really great to see. But it it might be actually that you're not training for the marathon. But if you're not, but you know of someone else who is, then please do share the link to our podcast so that they can benefit from these milestone episodes as well. Yeah, the more the merrier. Share it around. That's what we say. Yeah. So
0: um so as I said, uh this is the second episode in a series of five dedicated to food and nutrition uh to help you support and and um to support you as you as you train and prepare for the London Marathon. Um so you'll be approximately four weeks into your training plan now, and it'll be around twelve to thirteen weeks until race day so time passes so quickly um, it's important that you know we keep pace and we keep track of what we're doing Um, hopefully the everyday nutrition uh, principles that we discussed last time are embedded with you and habitual um, but then again maybe they're they're not Um, so what we're going to do today is consider um, if you have um, got in the way of a healthy eating becoming consistent and if you haven't some tips on how to get back on track and I think that's something that um you know we all need a little bit of help with because it's very easy to go off track We're also going to discuss the concept of runga. Uh, So that's going to be an interesting uh, conversation. And we'll be introducing the concept of eating before, during and after your long run. And that's going to help prevent runga becoming an issue. So uh, I'm sure we'll uh, talk a little bit more about what runga actually means as we go on. So so let's get started. And as I said earlier, last time we talked in detail about the importance of having a healthy everyday meal plan um, as a foundation and that will help you um, when it comes to building upon that with um, food and nutrition specific for running performance.
1: Yeah and I'm just wondering how everybody got on you know some people may have these foundational principles embedded now but like you were saying Aileen for others this might not have been the case. it might have been a bit more of a of a struggle um, and there could be various reasons why that might have occurred, including maybe lack of time to do the shopping for the appropriate foods, maybe even a lack of time to listen to the first episode of the series um maybe it's around an inability to reduce or give give up your favorite what People often class as treat or naughty foods, uh, maybe peer and family pressure to eat what they're eating. So, the and these kind of foods might not be foods that are going to serve your training well, or it could be that you've had celebrations, meals out, and that includes lots of different foods but also alcohol so there are there is often different things that can kind of get in the way of us being able to stay on track um Aileen would you add anything there What what do your clients tell you are their reasons for finding it difficult or struggling to to engage with change
0: excuse me well there's lots of different um reasons um you know some fall into the what we would call psychological or emotional reasons so and you know that would maybe be described as comfort eating um some people say that they're just feeling hungry all the time due to the increase in their training so you know they tend to just eat whatever's available to you know satiate them um and there might still be of the mindset you know that well you know I deserve to eat what I want because I'm running and I'm training hard um so that you know everybody's got their own reasons and um, maybe you know you're listening to us and thinking well I've got different reasons from the ones that you've you've mentioned um but you know whatever your reasons are that is the thing that's making it difficult for you to engage with the changes um you know, and those are the the common ones that we've, you know, listed here are are what the typical ones are. Um, But I think it's really important to just um, take a little time today to think about how you can get on track, if it's getting on track for the first time, or getting back on track, if you've been following a plan, and then for something, something's interrupted it. And also, we're coming into the summer and the holiday season, and that can also be a time where people get out of a routine. So, learning some of these tips and tricks um, to get back on track will be helpful during the summer. Um, and and also, you know, because your your distances uh, that you're running will be increasing, um, it's really important that you do have this el- everyday healthy diet in place because. That um, foundation is going to help support and prevent uh, things like injury, illness, muscle loss. It's going to support stress response. It's going to help you um, overcome poor sleep. So, you know, there's lots of big reasons for making sure that you've got a good plan and that you you stay on track. Um, So, Karen, have you got any tips to help runners or indeed anybody get on back on track with a healthy eating?
1: Yeah, some simple ideas that um that I would suggest, to Alien, include sort of setting your own personal boundaries around foods to include and foods not to include. So so I think that really if you set an intention, that can be really powerful. So um thinking about the, the foods that you want to include and having them available and then the ones that you just want to eliminate. I also think that just reminding yourself of the 80-20 concept, that 80-20 approach to your everyday nutrition. So eating in a healthy way 80% of the time and allowing yourself to eat sort of off plan 20% of the time. So in a normal week, if you were to look at meals, um, in a normal week, that would equate to about four meals out of 21 meals that would be off plan plan if you're eating um three meals a day but also i would su- i would suggest being strategic in which days you eat something sort of more off plan so for example maybe having a treat food um or a, or or a treat meal on the day that you do your long run or maybe on a day when your training is more intense i would i would really recommend that you try and stay on plan um on days where your training is light or on your rest days so um this is something actually we talk a great deal about um in episode 16 smart food prep for runners really thinking about how to be prepared to help you stay on track. So you might wish to sort of revisit this episode um, to get some additional tips on how to be organised around your shopping, your cooking, and always having those cupboard essentials available to you to keep you on track.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of um, having your, your treat day after your long run, because You know, you don't want to eat poorly before your long run because that's going to sap your energy. Mm. Um, But equally, you don't want to eat terribly badly after your long run because that's going to sap your recovery. So, yes, it's
1: it's always getting a balance, isn't it? It Um, is. is. It's about moderation. But if there's one treat food that you do enjoy and maybe mm. not having that treat food immediately after your training, having it later in the day. Yeah,
0: yeah. Good, good, good advice there, Karen. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, thinking about that um, episode that you mentioned, episode 16, it's a really great episode for anybody who finds that time is a major factor. Um, and that's the, the thing that's stopping them engaging in change or or staying on track. So we cover a few um, different um, sort of food preparation ideas to help people. So um, one of the, the things that we talk about is having um, or buying ready to assemble packed meals. And um, that that's a really um, helpful thing. So you can either buy in pre-cooked um, foods or you can make some pre-cooked foods that you then assemble into packed meals that you can take to work or even pack them up and have them at a later point in the day at home. Um, So it does take a little bit of time and thought. um, And some people find that, you know, it's a good thing to do at the weekend for the next two or three days, and maybe again, midweek for the next two or three days. And basically, you, you cook individual portions of things like, you know, the protein element of your meal, things like chicken, eggs or fish, you, you have uh, some pre-cooked carbs. So it could be things like rice, sweet potato or, or lentils. You could maybe make them yourself or you could use pre-cooked sachets. And then you chop up the salad vegetables um, and then you put them all into lidded containers. And then, you know, on the day, you can take the relevant things out of each container and put them into your packed lunch. Um, and so that that's a really, it just takes the thought process out of making your, your packed meal, um, to take to work. So that's, that's quite a, a useful thing to do, uh, when you're short of time. Mm, yeah. So what about, um, snacks, Karen? Because often people, um, forget about snacks and then, you know, they, they, they get tempted to have things that aren't healthy. What, what would you suggest people yeah. could do to be organized?
1: Yeah, well, I think they could do something similar to what you've just said, Aileen. They could do that with their snacks, sort of get them ready ahead of time. And then they're really easy to grab. Maybe if you work in an office, you could take a box to work at the start of the week, and then they're going to be readily available for you. Um, So really helping reduce that temptation to eat whatever is available that we, we mentioned earlier so again it's a simple thing to do choosing the foods that um, are appropriate and suitable for your for your training for your recovery and um, having them readily available all week. Yeah that's great and um,
0: sometimes we get people telling us that they, they tend to do their early morning run um, and um, what happens is they either run out of time when they get home to have breakfast before they travel to work, or they just go straight to work and have mm-hmm. something on route. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- you know, often they fall into the trap of uh, choosing an easy option, which might be going to a coffee shop and having a coffee and a croissant um, or something like that. But there are things that you could think of, which um, what, I, uh, what I would call, call a sort of a take to word breakfast. And again, the things that you can make, um, either the, the night before um, and have ready so that you can just you know, collect from the fridge and then eat while you're traveling or maybe eat when you get to destination. So things like overnight oats or a protein smoothie. Um, eggs are a good one. So you can have boiled eggs. You could make a frittata, which travels quite well, or an egg muffin. Um, the other one that I really like is a cheesy um oh flapjack, so that's that's like a, a flapjack that's savoury, so it's got eggs and cheese in it. Um so that's a good one for breakfast as well. Um they these kind of things can be made in advance and then uh, you can take them with you. And if you want any of the recipes, just um drop us an email at hello at runners health hub and we'll pop them over to you. Um and then also in that um episode, if you're looking for some any ideas for healthy uh, fast food. Um, there's lots of different ideas there uh, that we can share with you. So uh, things like sheet pan recipes, stir fries, um, slow cooked meals, um, or even that I maybe mean, the ultimate fast food for me is eggs or a soup that you could maybe add some extra protein and vegetables. So there are lots of things you can do quickly to give yourself a healthy meal and uh, that episode is the is a good starting point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know we've already given you some really great food ideas to to sort of help you get back on track or get on track if necessary some of you are maybe on track but there'll be there'll be a mixture of people and there'll, there'll be you'll all be at, at different stages of preparation for the increase in your um in your training volume but sometimes it's not always about the food it can be about the mindset and it um and we m- might find that or make decisions to suit other people rather than ourselves so what I would say there is to start thinking about you and your needs. What do you need to make sure that you are um, you're fit, you're healthy, you're trained well for race day. So think about things such as are you making choices for your benefit, like I say so that you can feel great um, for, for everyday life but also to support your running performance and also are you choosing foods and drinks to fit in um with others or is it to support your health and running goals so really thinking about these questions and um, where do you where do you sit there are you doing things for yourselves or for others you know really your friends and your families are going to love you whatever you have on your plate and whatever you drink so i think it's really important to remember that this at the moment and this time really all the time it's about you and putting your your needs and your nutrition first and um but but enjoy the occasion enjoy the company whether you're at home or dining out but just making the right choices for you so that would be my sort of suggestions um thinking about mindset
0: Great. Well, I think that's really good advice and I, I I do think that most people respect the fact that you're doing a big challenge and they will support you. Um, so uh, yeah, just put yourself first. That's the important thing. So just to summarize, um, so that there can be lots of reasons why you might be finding it difficult to stay on track with changes to your eating habits. Um, but we have to stress that your running distances uh, will start to increase significantly as you go through your training so having these healthy eating foundations are going to be key in maintaining running performance and also um, will help prevent any detrimental effects on health and performance but you know when making changes remember to make small but incremental changes over time and always remember the 80-20 concept because nobody can be 100% perfect um, and you you shouldn't need to be so 80% of the time um, fuel yourself well and enjoy 20% of socializing and having treat foods. So, um, that's that covers helping you get back on plan and, and feel free to um, drop us a line if you've got any particular challenges or join our Facebook group. That's always a great place to post questions and we can help you there. Um, but let's move on to discuss the concept of runga. So we mentioned that at the beginning of the episode. And I have to say, Karen, I'm a bit intrigued by this term because I haven't heard it before. I have heard of being hungry or having hunger. Uh, so that's feeling angry due to hunger. Um, so I'm wondering if you can explain what is runga?
1: Yeah, well, I have to say, it is a pretty new concept to me as well. But basically, it is seen as the combination of long distance running and hunger sort of colliding, leading to this overwhelming need for food now. No time to wait. You need the food now. Now, I have to say that the information that I've read has been from blogs and other information online. There are currently no research papers. Papers on this subject. And the word runger is isn't currently in any dictionary, certainly not in the Oxford dictionary. But you never know in time to come, maybe it will become a, a recognised um, word. And there might be some more um, or some research into it. Now, I, I have to say, I can really relate to this concept. And I don't know if you can, Alien, because, you know, I know I know when I increase my distances, I sometimes have this insatiable appetite um, that I just can't I, can't I can't eat enough sometimes. But um, how about you now that you know what it is, Alien, Have you ever experienced it, do you think?
0: I think I had it this morning, actually. <laughs> I, had to, I had to have a very early lunch today because I just was really, really hungry. Um, so yes, I do think I've experienced it, um, and, I, and I think that as you increase your miles and exercise in general, it can lead you to feel hunger. And and I and I think yeah, I, I do experience that from time to time, and it's something that I hear of other, other runners talking about. And um, however, what I would ask is. If other people are listening to us saying, Yeah, I get runger. Um, and I would ask you to consider are you eating enough on the balanced plate at every meal time? And is your plate balanced with all the elements together? So uh, the protein, the carbohydrates, and the vegetables. So if you if you're eating in a balanced way with the right quantities, it will keep you satisfied. Um, so as I said earlier, I've heard the term hangry, um, which is when people feel angry and irritable due to lack of food. And, um, that also can be related to not eating enough or having too long a gap in between meals or skipping meals. Um, so yeah, that's a, you know, you can sort of understand how that would happen. Um, and we mentioned earlier about the difficulties that some runners can have with Engaging in dietary changes, and it could be that the that hunger is a factor because it's like, well, I'm hungry, and I don't think this is working for me. Well, maybe it's the foundations that need um, adapting and changing to to get them in a balanced position um to to help them. Um, and, I, and we're always talking to people, Karen, aren't we, about adapting your food intake up and down depending on what your activity level is and it could be that some runners aren't doing that and Mm -hmm. that's why they get runga that's why they need food now um yeah so so what else can you tell us about runger before we can move on to discuss how it can be avoided
1: well it it is um thought to um to be this feeling constantly hungry, this is actually quite a common issue in runners, um, especially runners who have recently increased the running distances. So maybe our los- listeners who are currently training for the London Marathon or, or any other marathon, um, you know, because they are starting to increase the distances now, so it could be that they, um, they're going to start Having these runger feelings, also in people who work out intensely, and um, and and runners who habitually run long distances. You know, I know a lot of runners who who um, run marathons like once a week, once every two weeks, and they're constantly there. So uh, so that could be a reason why um, runger may be an issue for them, unless they are eating appropriately. Now, There are several factors that could influence runger, including um, really the distance and intensity of the runs completed, as as I've just mentioned. Also, it could be around the timing of the food intake around um, running, because as we know, nutrient timing is really important for distance runners. And maybe people are just not eating the, the right foods at the right times um, during um, particular or around particular runs. But also what is the food and how much food are they eating around their their training? And, and also thinking about was energy intake during training? So as well as around the training, was energy intake during training um, sufficient, but also was it in the form of fluids or was it real foods? Now if it's fluids, that could be absorbed much more quickly, therefore lead to hunger more quickly than if it's real foods. And also another um, factor in this runger happening is the inability to eat straight after a long run and I know that that is a a real um, common issue for uh, many distance runners. Now these are just some of the factors, there are potentially others. Um, And when I was reading all about hunger, one article was speaking uh, about adopting an intuitive eating approach to uh, really to evaluate the reasons for wanting to eat. So just thinking about, uh, is it true hunger or is it for other reasons? So that's another thing to consider.
0: So I I presume, Karen, what you mean by other reasons is um, emotional eating or eating due to boredom or, or stress.
1: Yeah, exactly that, Aileen. So so that um, article that I was reading um, also spoke about what's known as a hunger scale. Now, this is available um, to help individuals learn to tell the difference between true physical hunger and the types of hunger you mentioned, Aileen. So really, the question is, is it true hunger for the runner or is, there a, is, is it... Is it not hunger? It's something else that is actually occurring. Mm,
0: yeah, and I, I do sort of understand the concept of intuitive eating, and and to a degree, I practice that myself. That you know, I know I, that I feel different on different days, and that could be related to what I've eaten the day before or to what physical exercise I've just done. Um, so I, I, I will adapt. But I do also think it's really important to build a good nutrition foundation first so you know what feeling good is and then you can adapt intuitively. Um, so, I, you know, I don't think you can ignore hunger and I think that's the danger of, you know, just, you know, thinking about it as being, you know, it's, it's not a real thing. It probably is a real thing if you're doing a lot of exercise,
1: um, mm. but it's how you manage it, isn't it? And, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But it will depend on on the training that you're doing and the distances that you're doing at different times.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also something to be managed, isn't it? Because um, you know, and when we'd have any change, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bit like training, isn't it? You can't you get con- you condition yourself over a period of time, and I think you will condition that hunger as well. You know, yeah. you might feel it to begin with, but, you, you know, in a few
1: weeks time, you might have
0: managed the situation. Absolutely. Mm.
1: And and like you say, you intuitively know how much to eat and when to eat. Mm. Yeah.
0: So yeah. how would people go about identifying this level of hunger? You talked about that hunger scale, Karen.
1: Yeah, well, according to to the scale, it rates types of hunger from one to 10, with one being, you know, you're absolutely starving, you're feeling weak, you're feeling dizzy, so, so you, you, you clearly haven't eaten for um, a long time, to 10, where you're so full that you feel sick. Now, according to this scale, the goal is that every time you eat, you aim to be at a five or a six. So five being satif- satisfied, neither hungry or full, and six, a little full or pleasantly full, but not feeling bloated or anything. Now, mm. What I would say there, Aileen, is that this is clearly just a gauge. It's by no means a gold standard scale, but could maybe help a runner check that they are eating sufficient amounts at each meal to support the training. So and, and also, you know, if anybody would like any more information about this, the scale, do get in touch with us and um, we can give you some more details. So um, so that's just a, a way of gauging. Are you eating enough for your training or um, um, are you eating too much? So really trying to find that balance and 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 the level of true hunger that you're experiencing. So really, we've determined what runger is and factors that may influence it occurring in some runners. And we've also spoken about the hunger scale that could be helpful for some runners in determining if it is true and real physical hunger that they're experiencing. And we do know that nutrient timing, as well as the foods we choose for our running, could influence that hunger, as well um, as that low energy availability resulting in poor running performance. So it could help a runner um, prevent moving into that low energy availability. So in a minute, we will move on to highlight food for your training, um, with a, a real focus on introducing foods before, during, and after your long run to help prevent runga becoming a mission, uh, um, an issue. But just before we do that, Aileen, shall we just take a quick advert break? And nah, I'll hand back to you for that.
0: Okay, thanks, Karen. Um, so, this is the moment in the episode where Karen and I take a minute to. Talk to you about what we do um, outside of the podcast, and um, you know we've we've taught, or um, well, Karen's just mentioned that we're going to discuss what to eat before, during, and after long runs to help prevent runga. And a question we often get asked by runners is, "What do I eat pre, during, and after a training run or race?" And we obviously focus on that a lot in our episodes because we really feel if you get this right you're going to be fitter, faster and stronger and you'll recover more quickly, ready for your next run and hopefully not experience the symptoms of runga that we've been talking about today. Um, so what we wanted to um, introduce you to today is our free nutrition guide, which we designed to be a companion really to our episodes. And it's called Top Running Snacks and Nutrient Timing. And it's a PDF ebook and it lists our suggestions of what and when to eat pre-during and post-run training. Um, And this could be really helpful to uh, read alongside our Marathon Milestone series. And um, we give you healthy snack recipes um, and that might be enough to help keep your hunger at bay, particularly as your mileage increases. And that's going to diminish the risk of this, you know, incontrollable runger occurring. And, and we've had over a thousand runners download um, our guide so far. And we've had great feedback. Um, and the guide's there to give you quick reference so you can quickly put our suggestions into action the next time you're out for a run. So if you'd like the free guide, all you need to do is visit our website, runnershealthhub.com. Look at the top menu bar for free nutrition guides. um, Pop in your email address and we'll send you the free guide. Um, And we really hope that helps you. And do let us know how you get on. Uh, We love to get feedback and um, ideas of how to uh, continue to help you in that area.
1: Great. Thanks, Aileen. So um, now let's think about foods to consider for your long runs, because really your mileage will be increasing substantially over the next few weeks. So runga could become an issue if you don't fuel appropriately. Now, for this episode, we will look at the concept of the of introducing foods for your training and about practicing with different foods rather than the specifics of how much and timing of foods. We will focus more on that in the next milestone episode. So it's really about introducing the foods at this point in time. So I think there are five key points i would like you to think about when eating for your long runs so thinking about adequate food fueling before you run appropriate fueling during your run eating immediately after your run and also thinking about your fluid intake and your hydration and, and the eating for your shorter run. So those are the key areas that I just want to sort of think about and um, outline here. So let's start um, and go through each one by one and thinking about adequate food for fueling before you run. Now, we dedicate an episode to this, episode 34, food for pre-training. So there's lots of information in that episode that, that could support you alongside what um, I'm going to speak about here. But the key points that I would like to highlight regarding your um, fueling before you run, your long run, is that uh, if... if um, if your run is still below 90 minutes at the moment, then you don't need to be eating um, before or or during the run. Only if your runs are over 90 minutes do you need to be thinking about um, including something before your run. Now, if you are running over 90 minutes, Ideally, eat your meal or your snack or whatever it may be, one to two hours before you run and make sure that that meal contains carbohydrates in the form of maybe oats or fruit, maybe a banana or honey if you're eating around 60 minutes before you you start running. So more of a complex carbohydrate food. If it's one, if it's two hours beforehand, if it's only 60 minutes, then thinking more about a slightly quicker release um, carbohydrates such as, as banana and other fruits. Eat enough, but not too much because really you don't want to get a, start, a stitch because at this moment in time you're practising with eating beforehand. So have small amounts and then you can build up from there. Um, so so like I say, less than 90 minutes. You don't need to eat anything beforehand. But what you could do, I'm thinking about, is is Maybe for approximately one week, you could start having a little bit of food before um, all of your runs and just see how you get on. Um, and if you find that you don't get a stitch or cramps on or any other symptoms, then as you progress, you could stop having the food before your shorter runs, but continue eating before your long runs only. So so really just think about having something small each time you go out um, before you run um, and, and just just to sort of practice, get the digestive system used to re- receiving food at this point. And then um, maybe after a week, if you've got no symptoms um, and you're happy with the food you're choosing, then you could remove the food from the shorter runs, but keep it in on any run over 90 minutes.
0: Mm, that's, so it's really good to, um, to practice, as you say, Karen, because it is a, a trial and error sort of practice mm. run, really, and, as well as how much food. And it's about varying the foods you have before a run, too, so that you can establish what works for you and what doesn't. And that's going to be different for everyone. Um, so our suggestion is is to try eating the pre, pre-run foods one to two hours before your training runs over a one week period before you add in the during run fueling. Um, So thinking about the appropriate fueling for during your run, um, as Karen said, you really don't need to be eating during a run unless it's over for 90 minutes. Um, However, you you can practice doing this um, during run fueling, you know, whilst you're out on run. So again, you need to sort of Work out when would be a good a good week to do that, and uh, and when we'd recommend that you start having a little food during all of your runs to see how your body reacts.
1: Yeah, exactly. And foods that you consider e- you could consider to eat during your runs include the likes of the raisins, the medjool dates that you hear us speaking about a lot, um, dried mango, maybe homemade f- flapjacks, uh, fruity flapjacks, and the Ella's Kitchen pouches such as the mango, the banana, the sweet potato. Some people do prefer something slightly more savoury, so um, so maybe choosing the sweet potato Ella's Kitchen pouch or the equivalent natural fruit um, puree we speak about Ella's Kitchen but any of the natural ones um, you could use so um, so quite a few choices to to play about with and practice with during training.
0: Yeah and some people do um, report that they notice that some foods cause digestive symptoms and um, so that you know they might say things like well I noticed I've got flatulence or stomach cramps uh, it could be like burping or nausea um, it might trigger an urgency to go or loose stool. So, you know, th- that all sounds very dramatic and it won't be like that for everybody and you hopefully won't experience all of them. But it's that's why it's a good idea to uh, practice with different foods and also at different times during your training run and observe for the different symptoms. Um, and what we suggest you do is note down the foods alongside any symptoms that you experience. So, you've got a bit of a log to go back and reflect on and know which ones uh, worked for you and which ones to avoid.
1: Yeah I think that's a really good idea because it it is so easy to forget what caused which symptoms if any Um, and you could sort of reintroduce a food that did cause symptoms previously, but you, um, that you'd forgotten about. So really good idea to write it down so that you don't end up eating a food again that that caused you symptoms, because that's going to set you back. So really the aim is to, uh, for this experiment, is to to play about with the foods over a week. Um, But what I would suggest is that you play about with the the food you're going to eat um, for a week during um, training. Do that after you've completed the um, pre-run food experiments. Otherwise, you're going to get to a place where you're not sure whether it's the food before you run that's causing the issues or the food you're eating during the run that's causing the issues. So, So just keeping those two experiments separate really And then, like I say, once you've established which foods suit your constitution, then aim to include them in runs over 90 minutes only um, as you progress forward with your training. And then looking at immediately after you run. Now, like I said earlier, this is something that lots of runners have difficulty with, and I, I know you do too, Aileen. Um, and you have spoken about this in the past, but could you maybe tell us a little bit about your experiences um post post long run or race and, and how you've managed that?
0: Yeah, well, my my recurring problem is feeling nauseous after long runs, which in the past has really put me off eating immediately after a run or a race. Um, I usually recover within a couple of hours, but I I do understand that the key aim of eating immediately after running is to replenish the glycogen stores as quickly and efficiently as possible. And that would support me in my recovery and preparation for my next training session. Um, So what I've done is as soon as I, I return home from a training run, usually I'll opt to eat some honey as my quick release carbohydrate, because that's easy to take off a spoon. And it's like, it doesn't feel like eating, but I know I'm getting the carbohydrate in. Um, And if it's at at the end of a race, what I've I've done um, is I'll, I'll take a flask of hot water that's got ginger and honey in it. So the ginger helps the nauseous feelings and the honey gives me the carbohydrate and I can sip that and that seems to help me as well. So I know it's not an optimal way of dealing with it, but it's the way that um, I can best support myself really.
1: And that's what it's about. It's about um, doing the things that work for you and everybody is going to be individual. And yes, it's not um, perfect regarding the amount of carbs maybe you're getting in at that time. But if that helps soothe the digestive system um, initially, then you can start to introduce the the quick release carbs afterwards as soon as possible, really, Mm. as soon as you can. So I think that's a a great suggestion, Aileen, that might work for some people as they try and get used to eating um, immediately after running. So really what we would suggest is that sort of during the weeks where you're experimenting with the different foods, pre enduring your runs trying to work out which suits you, I would say there isn't really a need to eat immediately after your run because your body's not going to be completely depleted because you're eating you're practicing with your foods um pre enduring but when you're looking at doing your your long run day so that and that's beyond ninety minutes um, start to introduce eating immediately after your run um, and also, you could begin to do this for your fasted state running as well. So if you're um, doing any run over 90 minutes or you're doing your shorter runs and they're in the fasted state. So after you've experimented basically uh, with the pre enduring um training food, then start to introduce the food straight afterwards and just see what works for you and what doesn't. And it is about training the digestive system that really is no other way around it but again it's about starting slowly and, and building up um, on the amount of food that the body's receiving you could use um, the same foods that um, you've discovered you can tolerate eating during your run um, in other words um, if say you're eating raisins during your run then maybe eating those immediately afterwards as well because it means that it's, it's not too much variety for the digestive system to deal with, and you know that you're able to tolerate them. And then over time, when you find that your body is adjusting to eating immediately after a run, then you could try experimenting with other foods. And I would, and the reason I suggest that is um, because one, it can introduce variety. Um, so prevent you getting bored, really. But also, as we progress through long distance running the what the digestive system wants to receive can change so it might be that raisins early on and in a, in a in a marathon might be fine but by the time that you get towards the end and at the end of a marathon the digestive system might say uh-uh that is not what I need at this moment in time so it is about playing about with the food's
0: Mm. So some alternative post-run foods that could be included. I've talked about honey. Maple syrup would be another alternative. Uh, Banana is, you know, I think everybody knows about bananas, but other tropical fruits like you've mentioned, Karen, um, you know, things like mango, pineapple, papaya would be really nice. Um, And then things like having a a white bread um, or a, a bread sandwich with jam or honey. Um, you know that would be quite a good strategic uh, use of refined carbohydrates and then there's the dry fruits that you could think about so things like dried apricots uh, apple or pear so we've we've talked about the concept of introducing food to support training and at this point on your marathon journey it's really about practicing uh, with different foods during different runs uh, to work out which are going to be the ones that will provide you with the energy and the support uh, for your running performance without giving you any digestive issues. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important that over the next few weeks, you work out when you're going to practice this and, um, you know, schedule in these experimental weeks and then schedule in the um, adding in the variety um, over the next few weeks to see what works best for
1: you yeah absolutely um we uh, really I, c- I can't emphasize that enough that this uh, willingness to practice 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 really until you work out what um what works for you and through that introduction of food pre during post training hopefully it will help prevent you experiencing runger that we spoke about and experiencing that now or or as you progress with your training and you move into those really long runs don't want to be experiencing the effect of Ranga Now, we will discuss nutrition for your training in more detail in the next milestone episode, um, as I mentioned, um, because by then your long run will probably be around 14 miles. And at that point, you will then be leaping towards even longer runs and your longest one being about 18 miles. And at that point, nutrition timing and portion size um, is going to be really important. So we've introduced food for pre, during, post training, um, but equally important, I would say, is hydration because as we know, it is a limiting factor in running performance. So Karen, I just wanted
0: to... Sort of ask this question on behalf of the listeners, really, is why are we suggesting real foods rather than practicing with gels? Because I know, you know, typically a lot of people will will want to use gels rather than food.
1: Yeah, well, there are probably two principal reasons, Aileen, that um, that we would suge- suggest real food rather than gels. One being that you know many gels can contain sweeteners, um, additives that. Uh, quite often are unnatural some of them might um, contain um, sort of caffeine and maybe that's not appropriate for for the individual there are lots of different things that go into these, I'm not saying that every gel is unnatural but a lot of them um, um, or many of them uh, can have additives to them and, and certainly a lot of them have sweeteners in them and what that can lead to is an increased risk of having digestive distress so um and and you know as as nutritional therapists we also promote the the food first approach but but at the same time also ensuring that the foods that we're recommending um could support running performance so really those would be the 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 principal reasons Aileen.
0: Yeah and I think the other reason is just that you know, the gels, if, if you are on a heavy training program and you're practicing having the gels for, you know, during your practice training ready for race day, you might just be overloading on some of these gels. And whereas when you when you're having food uh, and especially if you're having a variety of food, you are getting a variety of different nutrients. Um, so, yeah, you get you get more from food than you would from a gel from an overall health perspective, don't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Great. So now let's um move on and talk about fluid intake and hydration. So we've already talked about the importance of an everyday healthy diet being foundational for our run training um but you know we obviously we've talked about this in previous episodes. Um it's really important that every day um that we have appropriate hydration and that's equally important. So Um, an easy way for you to observe whether your hydration is adequate is to check the colour of your urine regularly. Um, But I wonder how many people do that. Is that something that you are conscious of, Karen?
1: Yeah, actually, I I have to say I do, Haylene. I never used to, but since um, completing our studies and knowing how important it is for running performance, I do check it daily. Um, And I think the key points um to to highlight here are that really when you are um thinking about checking your wee um the first um sort of urine sample of the day so before you've had anything to to drink at all will give the most accurate reflection of hydration status so you know, urine should be straw-coloured. If it's really dark, it could signify that you're not drinking enough. If um, it's really pale, it might be that you're overhydrated. Now, overhydration, I think people forget this, is um, that uh, overhydration can be as deleterious to health and performance as underhydration because it could potentially dilute the electrolyte status. Now, I find that... um, Many people, including runners, tend to overhydrate because they think they should be drinking more because there's a lot around um, the, the, the importance of, of drinking um, a, daily. And some people just feel, just keep drinking and, and can overhydrate. Like everything really, thinking about nutrition, about fluids, um, about our, our lifestyles. It's all about balance. It all comes back to balance at the end of the day, I think.
0: Mm. And so so what would you recommend uh, that we do at this stage um, of training? Um, and I suppose, you know, I'm, I'm answering that question, Karen, it's really, it's all about being more mindful about your fluid intake. Um, so, um, you know, what fluids are you drinking? Do they contain caffeine, um, which is a diuretic, so that could potentially lead to a net loss of fluids? How often are you drinking fluids? Which natural fluids do you like? You know, so uh, water, naturally flavored water. And by that, I'm thinking of adding fresh fruits and herbs. Herbal teas are a great source. Um, Roy Bosch tea, for, in, for instance. And also asking yourself, do you adjust your fluid intake on training days? And, and great tip from Karen is check the color of your urine first thing in the morning. But notice it Um you know, during the day, does it change? So I know that uh, we're planning to discuss hydration in more detail in a future milestone episode. Karen, um, so today is more of an introduction and just getting everybody mindful to think about um, how much and uh, what they drink each day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we've already spoken about your shorter runs and about using them to introduce foods pre-during training to establish appropriate foods for fueling. Once these foods have been determined, then really your shorter runs can be completed in the fasted state. So um so in the morning before you eat everything. So, you know, we've spoken about longer runs and now we're moving on to the to the shorter runs. So um um i would say that um yeah you 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 say you're following a plan of uh three or four run plan per week and then two or three of your runs, the shorter runs could be completed in the fasted state. So in the morning before you've had anything to eat, just go out, do your run. Then when you've um, completed that, come back and have your normal everyday healthy breakfast, but then continue to follow that everyday healthy eating plan for the remainder of the day, but also being re- remaining mindful of your fluid intake as you progress through the day as well so um so that would be sort of linking on from hydration is just looking at the the nutrition and hydration for your shorter runs
0: Okay, so we've covered a lot today and um you know we've covered everything from how to get on back on track with everyday nutrition if you go off plan to understanding the concept of runga. Um we've introduced practicing with different foods before, during, and after running to really find out what suits you um so that you can introduce um a, a good fueling. Um, regime uh, for all all of you running and not forgetting the importance of fluid intake and appropriate hydration
1: yeah so lots for you all to go away and think about and with that in mind Aileen what would be one action you would encourage everyone to put in place from today's episode well,
0: I think get your diary out, plan which week you're going to do your food experiments for, you know, the the pre and during um, eating before you, you do your run and during your runs. And I'd highly recommend you note down the foods you eat before and during the runs um, alongside any symptoms you experience. So you've got a log um, and then you, you'll know which ones are good to keep using and which ones to avoid. So that's... Um, you know, a really important action point, I think, and uh, to get that scheduled in in the next uh, two or three
1: weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Aileen, I would agree with that um, suggestion. It's, it's the one I would have recommended as well if I'd been asked. So just to sort of move on in our next Marathon Milestone episode, which is due to be released on the 28th of July, we will be thinking about... Um, the the during the before during and after a long run the the nutrition for that we'll be looking in more detail potential um, psychological mental hurdles that um, long distance runners might have to overcome we'll review the, all the nutrition what is working what isn't working for you and also what could potentially go wrong that might lead to time out of training and then how that could be um, how that could be supported, and again, getting back on track.
0: Great, so something to look forward to. Uh, so, we're at the end of today's episode, Karen. But before we go, I wondered if you could give us your key takeaways from today's conversation.
1: Yeah, sure. So, what I would say is if you have been unable to commit to an everyday healthy food plan consistently, now is the time to get on track before your run training really takes a large leap forward and you're running much longer distances. Um, An inability to engage with dietary changes could be emotionally or psychologically driven too. So are you making food choices to please others rather than thinking about you and your needs? Remember, runger is a a thing and could be detrimental to your running performance. So eat a Not too much, not too little, but sufficient amounts to fuel your running. And now is the time to practice your food strategy for training, aim to establish what works and doesn't work for you. And don't forget about hydration. Just become mindful of your daily fluid intake and check the colour of your urine regularly. And finally, I would say it's it's really about practice, practice, practice at this point before you move on to fine-tuning your nutrition and hydration for that forthcoming London Marathon, which will be upon you before you know it. It certainly will. So thanks, Karen.
0: And, um, you know, when we move to um, our next episode, our next marathon milestone episode, there's only going to be nine weeks before the marathon. So time is ticking and passing very quickly. Um, So uh, remember to get those action points in your diary. And remember, everyone, uh, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to focus on your nutrition as a vital part of your london marathon or autumn marathon race training plan during this series we hope to cover all the vital information you require to have a great race day however karen and i would love to help you even more and we've decided the best way to do that is to make you a special offer to join our easy nutrition for healthy runners program it's for runners of all abilities We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your training plan. The program includes downloadable menus, food lists, meal plans, and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. But we think the real icing on the cake is that as part of the program, you're invited to our weekly coaching circle. So we have two short Zoom sessions every Thursday at 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. UK time. So you get an opportunity to speak to us in person, to ask questions and get our personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. We really want you to get the best results from this summer's training so we're offering the program a very special price of only 97 pounds the full price is 297 so that's 200 pounds off the full price that's less than one pound a day over 16 weeks and there's a multi-payment offer too so we really hope that you don't miss out on this offer if you'd like to join the program please book via our website which is runnershealthhub.com. Look at the Work With Us page and scroll down to Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners and use the coupon code RACE, that's R-A-C-E, to get the offer. We'd love to see you there and thanks again for listening. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband, which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at AmazingJane.com.